Well, welcome to Highlight Church. We're starting a brand new series today. Is anyone excited about that? Yeah. Good, good. I like that. Who cool was that? Nice. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you, Chris. Let's give it up for Condro Giannis. The longest last name I've ever encountered. <laughs> yeah, we're starting a brand new series today. Um, thank you all for getting up and being with us this morning, 10 a.m. for church. Uh, that's amazing. You all look so well and such an honor to have you. Um, let's show some love for our first-time guests as well. We really want to welcome them. So we're starting a brand new series today entitled Plugged In. We are in a season where um, it's time to take that next step as a church. Um, for three and a half months or so, we've been meeting together on Sundays, uh, worshiping God and studying the scripture. Um, it's time to take that next step. I think our Sundays are pretty set. I think that uh, we've created an atmosphere here where you can feel comfortable. You can bring your children, check them into H HL Kids, grab yourself a cup of coffee and enter into the main sanctuary and study. I think we have Sundays down pretty well. Uh, it's time to take that next step, and it's time to get plugged in and find community and uh, walk with each other. Let's uh, say, uh, what, Monday through Saturday. Uh, church is, was never designed to be a Sunday thing, but it was designed to be an everyday thing. Um, so today is entitled, The Power of the Plug. If you're taking notes, The Power of the Plug. And... Um, I want you to go ahead and join me if you have your Bibles. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to go Acts chapter 2. This is in your New Testament. If you need to use your table of contents, that would be fine. Uh, but it's right after the gospel according to John. This is the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, right after Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave some marching orders to the apostles uh, apostles mean uh, ambassadors or sent ones. They went from being disciples, followers, students, pupils to apostles. And that's, in essence, the trajectory of what your Christian life should look like. It should be, you know, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm always a follower of Christ, but I'm also an ambassador of Christ. Eventually, you want to you wanna go and spread that good news. And so Acts chapter 2, verse 40, it says this. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strong, strongly urging his, his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all, in all. Wow, 3,000 people in one day giving their hearts to Jesus Christ. Then it says here, verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and sharing meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. These guys are going to church every day. I don't know if I could do that, but they could do it. But there's a way to do church every day, and we're going to talk about that. Each day. 
And it says here, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Those who were being saved. So um, we see growth here happening in the context of community. Now, we all love power. We love electricity. It's very convenient. We, we go home and we fill up a switch or we hit the on button and we expect that sucker to work, especially if we've paid our bills. You know, the, the light should come on. There's no reasons why they shouldn't come on. Um, power outages. Anybody in the summertime, anyone, power outage, summertime power outage. Show of hands, this is a participatory message. I need you to, to help me out here this morning. Uh, during the winter, power outages. Is that much in Maryland? Yeah? No, not really? No? Okay. Yeah. Well, we had a lot of uh, summer power outages in, in Florida. And oh, my God, it is terrible. It is terrible. You sweat bullets all day. And you're calling a friend, can I come over? And they're at work, and you're stuck at home. Or either you have to go to a bookstore or a coffee shop or something to hang out. Power outages suck. Now, there are two funny things I want to share that can cause a power outage, um, or that has in, in times past. Well, you have a wild turkey. Wild turkey. Turkeys t- typically don't fly, and they don't fly too high. But there, there was a wild turkey in Sonoma County, California. Anyone prevy to Sonoma County, California? Woo woo, California in the house. Um, April 8th, 2012, this sucker flew into power lines and he was fried. Early Thanksgiving turkey. Uh, he ended up shutting down the 911, the regional 911 dispatch system in the county, um, the county courthouse's power, as well as the jailhouse for the next two days. Um, so that knocked out their power. Another individual, a fleeing felon, a fleeing felon, someone that the cops are chasing. Uh, this happened in Casper, Wyoming, August 25th of 2015. Uh, he crashed into a utility pole. This just sounds like something that Disney would, would illustrate in one of his cartoons. He crashed into a utility pole, and 4,000 homes lose their power. They lose electricity. And so you got to watch out for flying turkeys and fleeing felons in your neighborhoods. And so they have the power to knock out the power. Now, we all would agree that a house without power is just a shell. And no one wants or, or needs a shell. It just provides shelter. I'll take that. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Um, it it's just a shell. And no one wants a shell. I mean, it's, it's just shelter. I'm going somewhere. You got to follow me. You guys know me by now. I'm, I'm definitely going somewhere. We're going high today. We're going to go high and high and higher today. Not the bad high, the good high. We're going to get high today. And then you guys are going to sign up for groups. Every person in this room, clap it up right now. You're going to get in a group. Let's take this next step together. So the first century church, we're going to talk about the early church. Jesus does this thing for 33 years lives perfectly. He's the Savior. He dies on the cross. Uh, He tells his disciples throughout the course of his ministry, I'm going to die, but I'm going to raise in three days. He raises from the dead three days later. And um, 
he stays with them for about a month and a half. Forty days, the Bible says, when he, he raises from the dead. He stays about a month and a half. He does miracles. He eats fish and honey. He's doing his thing. And then he gives them marching orders. He says, go and make disciples. Um, preach the good news to every living creature. Start here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the, all the other ends of the earth, everywhere. Go, I am with you until the end of the age. So Jesus is still with his church as we seek to do his work. And so, but he says this, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit descends after he's taken up into heaven. The Holy Spirit descends on 120 disciples um, on the day of Pentecost is what we call it. Peter preaches his first message. You can get this in Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches his first message. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And the people ask, what shall I do to be saved? What, what is it that I need to do to be saved from my sin, to be saved from my brokenness? And he says, turn, receive the Lord Jesus Christ. This promise is for you and your children and the generations to come. And so as we just read here, 3,000 people get saved. The number of believers goes from 120 to 3,000 plus in one day, one message. So when people say, well, I don't like mega churches and all this, I'm like, well, the first church was a mega church. What's your issue? They just, they, they just had the, 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 the um, fabric of being able to grow large real fast, but grow smaller at the same time. And so this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, the early church didn't meet in church buildings. They typically used the synagogue, uh, maybe once a week. This was, uh, this was a building used for Judaism. They would meet on Saturdays, and they would teach the law of Moses and the Torah. Uh, Christians would use the synagogues, but they didn't stay in the synagogues. They would go, and they would break out into groups of people within homes. So they would... They would Listen to the apostles, because they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. All they had was Peter's sermons, John's sermons, all the apostles' messages. They would take notes. This is why we take notes here at Highlight Church, because what God speaks through man, I need to know, and I need to go home, and I need to study, and I need to apply. It makes no sense that I have the God of the universe as my God and as my Savior, but my Monday through Saturday doesn't look like I follow the God of the universe. It doesn't look like I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm fearful. I'm defeated. I'm down. I'm discouraged. I'm broken. It does not look like that Christians are actually followers of Jesus Christ sometimes. Why? Simply because we don't take a note in church and we don't apply it on a Monday through a Saturday or Sunday. We don't, we don't apply it. And so the early church took their notes, and they broke out into homes. And these homes were filled with power. These homes were filled with power, the power of God. The Greek word here is dunamai. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, But you will receive power. This is Jesus talking to the apostles. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You're going to receive dunamai, supernatural enabling, so that you can have victory every day of your life. 
This is might. This is strength. This is God's strength. In order for the apostles to actually fulfill their calling, in order for them to perform miracles and meet the needs of the world around them, they weren't going to be able to do it in their own strength. They needed the power of God. And so he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be filled with the power. The power of his presence was there to strengthen the community. I love Paul in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Going to have a little Bible study today. He says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? That's good. Come on. That's good. Don't you realize that all of you are the temple of God together and that the Spirit of God lives in you? A house without power is nothing but a shell. A church without the power of God is nothing but a building. But how many know that the building isn't the church? The people make up the church. The word church in the Greek is ekklesia. It means called out ones. So I'm calling you out of a world that's powerless. Paul says that the world has a form of godliness, but denies the power of God, meaning the world has great morals, great principles, uh, great, great philosophies, great perspectives sometimes, but the world does not hold or contain the power of God. Only the church holds and contains the power of God. And the church is Bobby and I, Kyra and I. Any believer in Jesus Christ, we make up the church. So when they, they would used to split up into homes, these homes were containers of power. And so what they would seek to do is, hey, man, are you a part of a group? Are you plugged in? What, whose home are you meeting at tonight? They're going to have steak and spaghetti and we're going to play some games and we're going to pull out the Bible and we're going to study and, you know, we're going to study the Acts of the Apostles. Are you in a home? And so I want to give you five reasons real quick why it's critical for you to get plugged in. I didn't learn about small groups until I was like 24. Um, and it changed my life. Five reasons why you should be plugged in. Number one is the presence of people. You need the presence of people. Acts 2.42. Stick with me today. Acts 2.42 says this. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing in meals, to the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Scientifically, they say that the absence of social connection triggers the same primal bells as hunger, thirst, and physical pain. In the 1970s and 80s uh, in America, you had 20, about 20% of Americans claim that they suffered from loneliness. Um, as recently as 2015, that number is now at 52% of Americans claim, claim, because I'm going to show you why you're not lonely here in a few minutes. They claim to suffer from lo- loneliness. So now it's become what, what's called an epidemic. And I wonder, how does the most connected generation of all time suffer from loneliness. How does that actually happen? And so um, some negative effects of loneliness, mental health. Uh, When you're lonely, if it's uh, genuine, (laughs) uh, they say your well-being goes down mentally. Depressive symptoms increase. There's also an increased likelihood 
that you're going to develop mental issues the older you get. Um, physical health. They did a meta-analysis um, in 3 million people with confounding factors, uh, demographics and objective isolation. Maybe there's poverty or lack of resource, so they're just isolated from a certain demographic in society. 3 million people. And what they came out with is that um, there's a chance that there's going to be an earthly death increase of 26%, meaning that if someone within this demographic of 3 million people was meant to live to 100 years old, the chances are that they're going to die at the age of 75. 26% decrease in time, loneliness, will wipe you out. If you're 90, chances are you're going to die at 68. Loneliness. If, if, I'm sorry, if you're meant to be 95, chances are you're going to die at 72. Loneliness. And, and so they say that it has major effects. But one definition of loneliness they described is that loneliness can be defined as perceived social isolation. Perceived. Perceived. Meaning that you're not lonely. You're not out there on an island. You're not by yourself. Perceived isolation. This tells me that there's a large group of us, I say us including myself because I'm guilty of this as well. We're, I'm not lonely. I think the thing is, is that I may not be utilizing the relationships and the people that God has actually brought around my life. And I'm, I'm pretty much choosing who to do life with. And because these relationships that I'm choosing, these people that I'm choosing to connect with, don't have any substance or power, I perceive myself as being lonely. So I go to this place, and I go here, and I go here, but I'm still lonely. I'm still isolated because there is no substance in the relationship. You can be in a room full of people. You ever notice that? You can be in a room full of people and still feel lonely. Because there's nothing going on there. Well, we're here to make money together. Great. That's called work. Well, we're here to hang out and play games. Great. That's called fun. Well, we're going to the beach party or what? the pool party. Great. That's called fun. That's great. That's recreational. That's awesome. But that's not substance. There's no growth in that. There's no, no investment in that. And you, we wonder why we still suffer from loneliness and there's still leaky parts and areas of our lives. The first church, here it is, they prioritized and they practiced the presence of people. And not only that, they were intentional about their time. So the Bible says they studied, they devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles so when they got together, they had an agenda. What are we going to do when we get together? Are we going to continue to talk about the same things? You've been telling me that you've been having problems with your money. Well, hey, I know how to budget. Can I come alongside you and help you with your money? You've been telling me that you have problems being honest or communicating. Hey, well, I love communicating. How about you come? Let's get one-on-one. Practice on me. What's bothering you? Let's talk about this. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they learned about Jesus. They learned about his ways. They learned about, hey, if I get baptized, what are my next steps? How should I find myself in a community? What do I do next? They learned about him. They studied, they discussed, they grew in their faith together. Whenever you meet up with a fellow brother or sister, make sure it's intentional at times. Take, Take a half an hour out of that hour and a half and study the Bible together. As Christians, we hang around too much. The world does enough hanging around. They do enough chilling. It's time to get in our words together. It's time to grow. There's a lot in store out there for us and in our future. It says they fellowshiped and they shared meals. What does that mean? That means that they connected. Whenever they, they would go to church on a Saturday, they connected. Hey, let me get your number. Let me get your, I want to text you. What's your email? Let's connect. What are you doing this Wednesday? What are you doing on Thursday? What are you doing on Friday night? Okay, let's do that. Let's have dinner. Let's have coffee. Let's pour into one another. Let's do life together. They share meals. And the Bible also says that they prayed. Are we praying together? Sunday shouldn't be the only day we pray together. Nor should it be your small group when you join a light group. Because you may get together today. Your small group may be on Thursday. How about getting together on Friday and Saturday and just praying? You know, the the group, you know, we had 10 people in our group. Um, I didn't feel like sharing this, but can I share it with you today? Sure. And, and, And can you pray for me? Sure. Let's pray. Let's get breakthrough. Let's be healed. Let's move forward. We need people's prayers. We need their perspective. You need people's protection. And there are seasons where you need people to pull you up and to pull you out of certain situations. This is what's going on here. They're doing life together every day. And what we think when we think church, we think this. Oh, my God, I can't be at church. Another prayer meeting, another this. No, biblically, church every day is doing life with your brother and sister in Christ. From a practical standpoint, you need the presence of people. There's an old African proverb that says uh, it takes a village to raise a child. There's a Joshua Redding proverb that says it takes a community for an adult to thrive. I know that doesn't rhyme, but that's, that's a Joshua Redding proverb. It takes a community for an adult to thrive. Paul even said this about your marriage. He said, if there is a, uh, a spouse that's non-believing or acting like they don't want to believe, you still need to be connected into the church. Because the devil has a plan for your marriage. You're going to need community. You're going to need strength. You're going to need perspective. So you need the presence of people. Number two, I think the reason why it's so important to be plugged in, it gives us a chance to optimize opportunities. Acts 2.43 says this, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I think it was um, 2013, I was at our, our old church where, where we were on staff, and Chris was working uh, security. And I kept my eyes on him for a few weeks. And uh, something on my heart just said, hey, go get that young man and tell him that you want to disciple him. I said, all right, I'll do this. So I approached him one day after service. I said, hey, man, we got a Tuesday Bible study. 
come on over. Come on over, um, check it out. He came for about four weeks straight. On that fourth week, I pulled him aside after Bible study. I said, hey, I want to disciple you. Is that something you would be interested in? And he said yes. And um, he was at the time, what, 22, 21. Um, so we, we had him over maybe once a week. Uh, we lived in a two-bedroom, one-bath, 900-square-feet bungalow, me, you, and Jaziel had just got married, and um, he would lay on the floor because he had a bad back. Chris has a bad back, y'all. Y'all pray for his back. He would lay on the floor, and we would go through the book of Samuel, like every day, chapter for chapter, the book of 1 Samuel, studying the life of David. David is the man. You need to study David. He's amazing. Um, And then I said, all right, well, that's great. Once a week, Chris comes over, blah, blah, blah. My wife tells me, no, it needs to be more than once a week. I said, all right, all right, that, that's a bit much. But she said, we're going to invite him over for lunch, dinner. He's going to be over the next day for dinner. He's going to be over the next day for dinner. And so he would come, and it got to the point where I didn't even need to call him. He would just show up, quite annoying. And there he is again, popping in. Um, he would just show up. And so, um, and, you know, eventually, and so a year or so passed by, and eventually he became like the production coordinator at our campus, doing, doing an amazing job. And I said, hey, I'm the discipleship's pastor. I need you to lead a small group of men this, this semester. And like, I'm 22 years old. I, I just really started growing in the Lord. I mean, what, what? I said, no, you can do it. Anyone can be a light group leader. You can do it. And so he did it. He stepped out. He led a book study. Um, and he did an amazing job. And now today, he's our creative director. And um, I'll, be, I'll be doing, yeah, I'll be uh, facilitating his wedding whenever that comes. Um, woo, 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 woo. And so optimizing opportunity, I promise I'm going to tie the scripture back in. I want to ask you a question. Are you aware of the potential and the power that you're currently surrounded by? The potential and the power in the crowd that you're currently surrounded by. There are some people in here that don't know the next person. You need to know that person one-on-one. It's not my job. It's not Chow's job as the connections director to connect you with anybody in here. It's your job to connect with the people that you don't know, to break out of this shell Are you aware of the power that's surrounding you? Are you making the best out of every potential relationship within this church? There are some amazing people in this church. I oftentimes defer to uh, my connections, I would say, at least once every other week. Um, I have a few pastors that pour into me, um, pastors of much larger churches, um, but they, they had similar starts to us. Like, they're thousands, 20-something thousand, 13 campuses across three different states, started with 10 people. Um, And God has done this within 10 years. I need to know you. I need to know you. So I I have those connections. Um, There's a gentleman who has just, when we moved into the city, he's just wrapped his arms around me like a big brother. And he's he's pretty big, so I, I, I get a lot of consolation from him. And, and so I reach out to these guys often, and I ask them questions, and I'm having them pour into my process. 
one of them I asked the other day, I said, hey, because um, they're in a building, they're in a high school that seats 1,200 people. And I said, hey, you've been in this building a few years. What are your requirements for you actually getting a permanent location? I mean, you guys are killing it at two services. You got about 1,500 people. Because he reports to the main guy who started the church. And he says, we got to grow. I said, what? You guys are 1,500 people. You got to grow. He said, yeah, we, gotta, we have to max out the capacity of where we are in order for God to open the door to, to a permanent facility. I said, well, whose responsibility is that? I mean, you guys are bringing in some good stuff. He said, that's my responsibility. I said, who's pouring into you? I have access to everybody in the world. He says, I have access to my leaders. I don't need a thing. You had three top disciples, Peter, James, and John. We think, and he opened my, my paradigm with this. He said that, you know, you got Peter, James, and John who oftentimes followed Jesus. He says, we think that Jesus just said, Chris, Abu, and Erica, come with me. We think that that was Jesus's approach to Peter, James, and John. He said, no. He said, I believe that they made themselves more available than the other nine. It's almost as if they stayed in class and they said, hey, Jesus, we want some extra tutoring on these subjects of leadership. And so he said, Josh, it's my responsibility to grow. It's my responsibility to tap into the wells of the people that God has surrounded me by. I have access to everyone and everything I need. And so when we optimize the opportunity within community, it leads to outstanding outcomes, i.e. miracles. What the people in the first century church did is they stayed around the apostles so that they could receive miracles from God. They stayed around these men who had did life with Jesus saying, hey, you have power. You have wisdom, you have knowledge, you have influence, and I want some of it in my life, i.e. outstanding outcomes, i.e. you get the miracles in verse 43 that we currently read about right now. So I want to say practically, there's a time right now in your life, this is the season where you need to start to leverage leadership. I'm going to just say this right now as your pastor, with my moving team, my core team in this church, do not expect for me to reach out to you a lot in this season. But I'll tell you one thing you can do. My door, that's my door. This is you. I'm on the other side of that door. You can come to my door unannounced, knock on it. I open it up. You force your way into my house. I will give you all of me for the next hour. You can get everything that you need. Every question that you ask, I will answer as your leader and as your pastor. I am too busy, too tied up to look for you. This is what the church body is for. I had a young man take me out to coffee the other day. We, we bought an hour and a half. He, he took me over half an hour, about an hour and a half. This dude had questions loaded up. And he asked me one of those things. He said, what, what do you, um, see, I'm getting a little personal right now. What do you need from your team in, in this season? What, what, what aren't they doing? I said, you know what? They're doing amazing. They're setting the church up. They're doing their task. I said, you know, one thing I'm really itching for as a leader is for people to ask me questions beyond just the church. You think God put me in your life just to answer questions about the church? I married a woman who had a child. I'm the baby of 24 kids. My daddy is 80 years old. God is using me to build this church from scratch. 
You think I want to talk all the time about tasks and duties? I'm 29 years old, leading people three times my age. You have to start to leverage leadership. You have to start asking people questions. When you get around your CEOs and your founders and these people that are successful and that you want to be like and these millionaires, you have to come loaded with questions. God wants to raise you up. God wants to use you. God wants to empower you. And I get this idea, too. The early church, they got at uh, verse 43 here. They got miracles from the apostles. But I'm starting to think that if you continue to read through church history, the original apostles died no later than 90 A.D. Who carries on the baton? Who carries on the power? Who carries on the wisdom? That first early church that was there with them amongst the 3,000 people are the people's faith that we're currently riding on in this room. It was those 3,000 that connected and that got so much from the leadership of that first church. So I ain't calling you. You got to call me. Leverage leadership. Leverage it. I'm spending too much time. The wow factor. To get plugged into a group, you're going to experience the wow factor. <laughs> we, we've gotten amazing reports. Um, from, from people that have visited our, our church over the past three and a half months. Um, one lady in particular, she came uh, the first time, and my wife got with her for coffee, and she told her, she said, hey, I came the first time, and everyone was so welcoming and loving and kind, and I just couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe it. I said, this, she, she said, you know, this has to be fake. There, there's something going on here. There's a scheme or something going on here. <laughs> And so she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to see if it's real. She comes back second week, third week, fourth week, still the same, still the same. It's all love. It's all good. We're glad to have you. Um, I want to talk about this wow factor. Um, she loves it. There's a wow factor that God has given us the ability to execute when it comes to people visiting our churches and our light groups. Um, the feeling of being accepted, wanted, and loved. Um, churches have been stigmatized over the past few decades as being judgmental, rightfully so. Um, condemners. Uh, they, they've labeled us as uh, judging certain lifestyles, um, in which I don't think it, it's the church's uh, position to judge but to share truth. Yeah. Right. And so I also think sometimes when people visit churches and there's truth that's being preached or shared. They're offended simply because they don't want to change and give their sin to God and, and be healed. And we know everyone has to go through a process. But I think some of the labels that the church receives, uh, the church can't help. But then again, I think sometimes it is our fault for the way that we treat people when they come through our doors. Yeah. Um, Paul says, Work, walk worthy of your calling. When you are a Christian, there's a calling on your life. And it doesn't mean being perfect, but it does mean that you have to walk worthy of your calling. So this wow factor. Um, Mike Mason in his book, Practicing the Presence of People, he says that our greatest need is also the thing that we want the most, and that's love. Unconditional acceptance. That you can just step into a church because you need community. You need to hear the word of God. I think that people battle the devil Monday through Saturday. 
They shouldn't have to come to church on Sunday and battle him too. The church ought to provide that wow factor, that no matter where you are in life, no matter what mistakes that you've made, you can come to church, be safe, be encouraged, be loved on, and say, hey, we just want to walk with you. We want to see God's full potential operating in and through your life. And so Mark 12, 31 says this, love others as well as you love yourself. This is what Jesus is telling the church. Love others as well as you love yourself. I don't know a person in here who doesn't love themselves. You may not like certain parts about you, but the fact that you're still alive, you love yourself. You believe in the best for yourself. No matter how much you want to come against that truth or that fact, you're breathing and you love yourself. You're taking care of yourself. You fed yourself. You've dressed yourself. You showed up to church. You love yourself. And Jesus is saying the same way you love yourself, love others, even those that you don't know. And so the wow factor isn't external when it comes to churches and when it comes to small group. It's not screens. The wow factor isn't lights. It's not the kids' ministry, the pipe and drapes. It's not the microphone. The wow factor is an intangible. It's internal. It's, it's what some, someone experiences when they get to a church. Uh, when they get to your small group, small group leaders, what have they experienced before in a small group? I have people in this building right now who have had tough experiences in small groups in their past. And right now they're, they're, they're shivering. They're, they're, they're skeptical. They're, you know, I, I don't know. I, I might sign up today. I might sign up next week. I may lead one day, but you know, the last time I led a small group, someone attacked me. There was someone in there who had a doctorate of ministry, and they knew all the answers theologically to all the questions that I had. And there was someone in there who went to seminary, and they had a master's of divinity, and they knew the answers, and they questioned me. And I didn't know anything about the resurrection or the rapture or the second coming of Jesus. And so I don't know if I'm ever going to lead a group pastor. Look, the wow factor is love. Maybe the reason why they're so puffed up in their knowledge when they come to your group is because they've never truly experienced love from a leader. And maybe they're hiding behind a shell of pride. The only thing that's going to break that down within churches is pure love, pure acceptance. Hey, you got it, man. You know the answer. But we're going to stay focused on the material. We're going we're to move forward with what we're talking about here this morning. So the wow factor. The quality of interactions that is built on acceptance and the church's desire to love and lift people up. We need relationships that are rooted in faith, lasting in love. This is why you need to be plugged in. You need relationships that are rooted in faith and lasting in love. You don't get that at work. One thing... um, I recently started talking with our directional team about is how we want to seek to be exceptional leaders. Um, Chances are on Wednesday or Thursday, you don't receive a text from your supervisor other than, hey, can you fill this shift on Friday or Saturday? So as leaders, we want to be exceptional. We want to text you, call you, check on you, go where you are. The wow, oh my God, wow, is this a church? Is this my small group leader? Yeah, it's not your pastor. It's not the worship leaders. This is your small group leader that's reaching out to you, being exceptional, being better than 
the rest. We need those. Also, the reason you need to be plugged in so that every need in your life can be met. It says there in that all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, the early church was similar to our churches today. I'm going to try to wrap this up here in about 10 minutes. The early church had widows. If you read, um, matter of fact, if you would continue to go in Acts chapter 6, 7, and 8, the apostles are going to have to establish a team of deacons, directors, that handle the affairs of the church. They had widows, Hebrew and Greek widows, that were arguing about the fact that they weren't get, getting enough food because their kids weren't taking care of them. So they, uh, they assigned deacons, like Deacon Stephen, who was the first martyr of the Christian faith. He's the first one to die for his faith. And Paul, who was actually going to be a superstar here after Acts chapter 10, was a persecutor of Christians. So he held the Pharisees Uh, He held their coats as the men took stones and they looked at Stephen, who the Bible says was filled with the spirit of God, meaning that you can be a leader at any level in church filled with faith, filled with power and filled with the spirit of God. They took stones and Saul of Tarsus, who would become Paul, the greatest apostle of all time. He held their coats because he wasn't yet converted and they took stones and And he dies. And the Bible says that as he was dying, he saw Jesus giving him a standing ovation in the clouds. Jesus was just standing. Come on home. Paul was the lead deacon, the lead director to take care of the affairs of the church. At stratified levels within the church, God is still looking for leaders, people to step out, people to serve people that he can do miracles through. And so every need met. They had widows, old men, sick people, young people, struggling marriage, single people. They had well-off. They had the influential, the educated, the church, 3,000 people. As a matter of fact, there was one guy. His name was Joseph of Arimathea. He was a modern day, and that day he was a millionaire. Jesus didn't get buried in a poor man's tomb. He got buried in a millionaire's tomb. Jesus had people of influence that followed him. Joseph of Arimathea was in a light group. Hey, come on over. I'll take care of all the food. Man, did you hear that message Peter preached? Oh, my God. Hey, Joseph, I heard you, you, you used to walk with Jesus. Yeah, but he's hosting. He has nothing to say. He's just, yeah, I walk with Jesus. I finance his ministry. But I'm creating an atmosphere so that you can encounter every need. Every need can be met in my home. I'm going to provide the food, the drinks. You guys bring the participants' guides, the leaders' guides. Let's get this thing on and popping. And so every need met. The church is not called to be a place where there is a divided line. Not called to be a place of a divided line. The rich need poor friends. The poor need rich friends. Black people need white people. White people need Hispanic people. Asian people need Hispanic people. Indian people, I'm trying to go through my generalities here, need those people. There's not to be a line. Southern people need northern people. Eastern people need western people. There's not to be a line. 
the church that Jesus established was a church where it was everybody, all inclusive. Come on to my house. We need to grow together. Business people, medical people, stay-at-home dads, stay-at-home moms, nurses, students, professors, doctors. It was all good. And so you have this group that stays in Potomac. You have this group that stays over here. You have this group that's in D.C. You have this group. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Potomac, get your butt over there to the villages. The village, get your butt to Potomac. Everybody meet in the central location. We're going to grow together. We're going to love on one another. There's not going to be a divided line within the church. There's not going to be a divided line in the church. Why? 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 Because we all need one another at a certain point in time in our lives. My car. If my car is broken down, chances are there's going to be a gentleman who makes about $10, $12 an hour that's going to fix it. I need him. If I'm going to a restaurant, you need to tip at least 20%, especially if you go to Highlight Church. We got to stop. You need that waiter. That waiter isn't a slave. That person may come to your church one day. They may end up in your group. You need one another. They need you. You need them. And so um, I'm going to share this. Oh, yeah, the word fellowship means koinonia, K-O-I-N-K-O-I-N-O-I-O-N-I-A, sorry. K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. I'm kind of slowing down. The worship team took a lot of my time, so I'm going to. We all right out there? I'm almost done. The word fellowship means to participate in contributing. To participate in contributing. I think that especially the millennial generation, we become so accustomed to consuming And we take the same attitude and approach to our church. The early church, the 3,000 people, they went to church with the mindset of, who am I going to help today? You know, I notice, you know, in our house, there's John, there's Sue, and there's Sally. John needs a friend. Sue needs some food. And Sally just needs some encouragement. So when I go back to small group, this is my heart. I'm going to link up with John, let him know I'm a friend. Sue, hey, brought you some groceries. I know there's a struggle right now. Sally, you're so amazing. I want to share this scripture with you today. And so John, Sue, and Sally would have came to whoever the person is I'm talking about. Hey, we know that you need a babysitter next week. We want to open up our home the next three weeks. You got three weeks in a row where you need that babysitter on Tuesday night at least. They came with the heart of giving. So even when you come on a Sunday, what is pastor going to teach? What songs are they going to sing? You know, they, are they going to have those donuts and those fruit and that, those coffee and la, 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 la? No, no, no. You come with the mindset and the heart. When you come on a Sunday, what can I give? That's how a church is blessed. If you're a musician, you're out there somewhere, how can you give? And you've been coming here, how can you give? If God has been pouring into your heart pure, fresh word, and you've only given once, 
They brought everything they had and they set it at the apostles' feet. That's 10% off top. Off top. My team will tell you we're not afraid to teach about the tithe in here. If you've been getting filled by this teaching, by this worship, 10% off top. You give the rest to God. You'll see margin in a year's time. Every need met. I know personally for us, my wife and I, we we received a twin bed. There was a season where we couldn't even afford to buy Jaziel a bed. Someone in our church bought us a bed. Um, What else? We received a Chevy Venture, a van, 2004. My Chevy Malibu had went down. Something wrong with the engine. This is that season where it was rough. And so someone in the church gave us a van. We received groceries, mentors, exposure. Someone said, hey, I'm sending you to a conference. I know you guys are about to start a church. You need to see what big looks like. We're going to pay $2,000 to send you and your wife to a conference. We received um, friendship, mentors, food. And in turn, we've paid bills. We've given food. We've given time. This is all because the church is supposed to be a place where we want to meet each other's needs. And my last thing, the fifth critical thing is you get to experience the real blessing of life. It says here that they worshiped each day in the temple. They met in homes. I'll close us out in three minutes. Sorry, I'm holding y'all so long here. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Jim Carrey said an interesting statement. This man is worth over $150 million. Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. The Mask. We preppy. No, oh, man. Mercy, don't do that. She said... No, that means we're getting old, y'all. He said this. Jim actually had vision uh, before his career started. This isn't even in my notes. It's just interesting just to help your your future out. He said, I I would write a um, a $10 million check um, and stick it in my wallet for years. It got crumpled up. And then one day uh, that year, a couple days before or something, um, he got like, $11 $11 million or something um, from Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber? Okay. Liar, liar. He said this. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Jimmy was hitting on something. He was hitting on something, and if anyone knows this, Jimmy, popularity, $150 million net worth. Never have to worry about a thing another day in your life. He was hitting on something. Jesus said this too. Life isn't about the abundance of things. Life isn't about what you have. Therefore, it's also not about what you don't have. Um. And this verse says that they share their meals with joy and generosity. They share their meals with joy and generosity. Joy and generosity. Joy and generosity. There is power in the house. Somebody, where's a plug, Lance? Right here. 
Yeah, joy and, and generosity. Thank you, Chow. Chow got it. Joy and generosity. They share their meals with joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. Hmm. Joy. There, there's a there's a root of joy. There, there's a source of joy. Not just God, not just the Holy Spirit. Because in Galatians five, if you study the fruit of the Spirit, joy is different than happiness. Happiness comes when something is happening that you prefer. Joy is an internal thing that even when it's not happening, you still have joy. That only comes from God. You're in a state of gladness, of expectation, of peace, joy. Enjoying the goodwill of all people. In the beginning, God created man. And he created man. He put him in a perfect context. So he had the abundance of things. He had the garden. He had all the fruit he ever needed. He had everything. You can say that Adam was a bona fide trillionaire in the garden. Nothing he needed. He said, look, but, but, but. God said, there is an issue. There, there is an issue. He's alone. He's alone. And he said that it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. So he, it seems as though he hardwired man to need community. When God created you, he created you to need people. No one has ever become great on their own, right? No one has ever been fulfilled on their own. He created you to need people. It reminds me of this phone. When the creator designed it, it's broken as well. We're all broken, so it's great illustration. When the creator created it, he created it with a need. He, he created it with the need. Because he created it with a need to, to charge, to be plugged in. Because after a while, when you're not plugged in, you die. Well, Pastor, you know, I've been lonely for a little while. I've experienced some extended loneliness in certain seasons. I'm alive. It's not what I'm saying. You're surviving. You're not thriving. He he built it because eventually this sucker is going to die. It's already broken, and it's going to die. And when it dies, it doesn't fulfill its purpose. But it needs to be plugged in. Where's your phone? It needs to be. Oh, I called it. See, that's what happens when you get plugged in. The Lord catches you. Give him a hand clap. He said, I, I got you. You plug in. I got you. Oh, this sucker's going to die, too. These two live in the same home. They represent me and Kyra. Don't trip me now, small group. <laughs> this circle would die too. I ain't. But if I do, the Lord got you. <laughs> they would both die. But when they get plugged in, they're able to connect with the world. They're able to fulfill their calling. They're able to reach out. 
They're able to operate in power. They're able to, come on out, they're able to get on the internet, get on their Bible app, make those phone calls, because they're filled with power. This is the small group. This is the power. This is you and I. You need to get in a group. You were created to connect. You were put together to plug in. You cannot continue to go at it alone. I need men. I'm going to be in a group. Your pastor will be under the leadership and the tutelage of child Tran because I need a group. You won't be fulfilled, and we can't fulfill our calling and our purpose because the Bible says that God added to their number daily. Part of the church's call is to pull people out in a world who's suffering from loneliness, from despair, from brokenness, and saying, hey, you may not come to Sunday, but I got a group I want to introduce you to. So the Bible says not through the apostles' teaching were the numbers being added to, but it was through the small group context and culture was the church growing. People need community. And so what do we have here? We have the presence of people. Five reasons why. We need to optimize opportunities. You get a chance to experience the wow factor in your group. Every need will be met. I didn't share how we moved here as a team. And there was a a part of our team that was struggling. And there was a couple who helped a couple within our moving team in a big way. Needs will be met in your group. And you get to experience the real blessing of life, being plugged in, being filled with power, filled with joy and gladness in the context of relationship. And as a church, we can fulfill our purpose. What do you have on the side there? The power of the plug. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to get on out of here. Father, we give you all the glory and all the praise this morning. Jesus, thank you for this new season that we've entered. We love you, God. Help us to see the need to be plugged into community. Too many of us have been going at it alone. But Jesus, you said the world will know that you are followers of me if you would love one another. God, give us the heart to love one another and to connect. Give us the heart to look out for each other Monday through Saturday. Give us the heart to invest into one another. Give us the heart to contribute. Jesus, I pray that you would bless our light group leaders and that their groups would fill up to the brim. Jesus, I pray that we would need to add more groups because of what you're doing in this church. God, bless every family and every individual here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you all. Have a good one.